Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Okay, book two of the secret series by Synonymous Bosch. Synonymous Bosch. Sorry, you guys. These are all really hard names. Uh, the book is called, if you're reading this, it's too late and we're on to chapter, what do we want? 23. No, three, <laughs> not 23, we just started. Hey, did you push me? Well, I guess it had to happen. By now we all know that I can't keep anything to myself, no matter how dangerous or ill-advised. And the truth is, if you're reading this, it's too late. Chapter, oh, wait a minute. But Hold on. This is cool because, oh, okay, hold on. It goes backwards. I'm so confused. Okay, I told you these books are confusing. Okay, so it starts at chapter 33, and it's called A Bad Dream. You'll notice that I have numbered the chapters in this book backwards, like a countdown for a rocket launch or a bomb. With any luck, this book will explode at the end, and I won't have to finish it. And I won't have to finish yep. it. <laughs> Graveyard at night. On a, on a mountainside by a lake, our vision is blurred. Rain falls in sheets around us. Everywhere there's water, dripping, dripping, dripping. A strange song starts to play. It sounds far away, yet impossibly close. Like the singing of fairies or sylphs. Like the ringing of a thousand tiny voices inside of our ears. Above us, a crow flaps its wings against the rain, screeching disappears into the dark. Lightning briefly illuminates the tombstones in our feet, but they are so old that no trace of the name or date remains. There are no longer grave markers, they're just rocks. What lies beneath is a mystery. A mouse scurries between stones, frantic as if he's trying to get out of a maze, a deadly trap. Soon he is joined by others of his kind. They swim against the tide of mud, clawing at each other in their desperate attempts to escape. Automatically, we look in the direction they are running from. This is a burial mound with a broken tombstone on top, its jagged edge silhouetted as a, as a lightning strikes a second time. The strange, eerie song wafts through the wind until it is drowned out by a crack of thunder. As we watch, the broken stone topples and lands with a thud in the mud. A gaping hole is left in the ground. Clods hey, of rhymes. dirt erupt. Thud mud. Yeah. Clods of dirt erupt. A mud volcano. The f first one hand, then another, both very, very large, emerge out of the hole, grasping at the mud to find a hole. Oh, to find hold. Yeah, it's okay. We've got a few minutes. Then a nose. At least we think it's a nose. It could be a cauliflower. Cassandra! We look down. We look down. A lone, stranded mouse is calling us, as if from a great distance. Get up, Cass, it's late. Hey, no, this sounds like her mother. Shivering, Cass lifts her head off the pillow. She was a member of the Dangerous Society, now called the Tursus Society. Oh, that was a dream, get it? <laughs> the whole thing? Yeah. Um, she was a member of the Dangerous Secret Society, 
now, called the Tursus Society, she reminded herself, or she would be soon. She couldn't let a little dream scare her. What had Pietro the old magician said in that letter, that once she and Max Ernest had sworn their oath of Tursus, ter Tursus, they would face the hazards? Wait, the pyramid, the moonlight sun, the midnight sun was all a dream? No, just that dream that she just had about the mouse calling her. Uh. But it was her mom saying, you're late, get up. So the Tursus Society like, is, the, is the enemies of the Midnight Sun. Yeah, because the Midnight Sun, they want to ch kill children, and the Tursus Society wants to get rid of the Midnight Sun Society because they're bad people. And that must they obey the orders without questions. If she could not face her own dreams, how could she face the real enemies like Dr. Alan Mavius, like the ma masters of the Midnight Sun? Even so... The strange song lingered in her mind, haunting her again. Each night, a different dream, but always the same song. Why? Cassandra! Her mother was calling from... Oh, Cassandra! Sorry, that was less ominous. Cassandra! Her mother was calling up to her from downstairs. Cass couldn't hear every word, but she knew her, what her mother was saying. Get up, it's late, I'm off to work. Or to you, or to yoga, or a meeting. There's some oatmeal on the stove, or granola on the counter, or a waffle on the toaster. Don't forget you have a math quiz, or a book report, or an OB lesson. Love you. These days, Cass's mother ended nearly everything she said to Cass with love you. Kind of like a punctuation mark on a nervous, or a nervous tick. The front door slammed shut. Her mother had left. Unwilling to get up, Cass started, Cass stared at the wall facing her bed. Cass's wall of horrors, her mother called it. Hundreds of magazine and newspaper clippings covered the wall describing the disasters of the potential. <coughs> oh, dis describing disasters or potential disasters. Earthquakes, volcanoes, tsunamis, tornadoes. These were pictures of seabirds blackened by oil spills and starving polar bears standing on shrinking icebergs. There were mushroom clouds and poisonous mushrooms, killer bees and killer mold. Posters and diagrams showed how to treat frostbite. The Heimlich maneuver, three signs that you have a three degree burn, a third degree burn, the ABCs of CPR, and in the center of the wall, an article about bear hunting. Oh, bear, about a bear haunting campers in the mountains. Or bear or Bigfoot, the headline read. Most people, people like Cass's mother, let's see how many, we only have a couple more pages, so just relax, please, okay? Peyton's like anxious to get going to school, but we're fine. You'll find uh, a wall like this very disquieting. Cass found it comforting. Usually, as a survivalist, she liked to be prepared for worst at all times. She could face anything she felt if she knew what was coming. Hurricane, board up the windows. Drought, save water. Fire, don't panic. Avoid smoke inhalation. Look for a safe way out. Yet, these were all natural disasters. What would she do? She couldn't help but wondering if she ever confronted with a supernatural disaster. That was what upset her in her dreams. They were very strange and irrational. They didn't make sense. And her friend Max Ernest, as her friend Max Ernest would say, Max Ernest talked compulsively, but he was always very logical. An earthquake might not be totally predictable, but at least it obeyed the laws of nature. Most of her dreams involved a monster a monstrous creature and spooky old graveyard. How do you prepare for that? Can you please stop okay. moving? You are driving me literally insane. My God, you're acting like Max Ernest. Jesus. Sit still. 
God, I have anxiety from that. Not that she thought her dreams were going to come true. She wasn't superstitious. It was just that they felt so real. There must be something in the graveyard that you want, said Max Ernest, when she finally told him about the dreams. A dream that is the fulfillment of a wish. That's the Sigmund Freud say. That's what Sig- Sigmund Freud says. How about that? But why would I wish for a monster, Cass asked. Max Ernest's parents were psychologists, so she figured he knew what he was talking about. Well, I don't know if that means you wish for it exactly, but I think dreams like that are like things that you can't admit you want because you feel guilty or embarrassed or something. It's called unconscious, Max Ernest had concluded. It's kind of confusing. Still in bed, Cass thought about what he'd said. Reaching under her pillow, pulling out the small stuffed creature that she'd hidden beneath it. Who are you? What are you? Cass's sock monster was a little, odd-shaped thing made out of old socks and scraps from her grandfather's antique store. She'd sewn it together in a kind of fever one day, obsessed with the creature from her dreams. It was green and purple and troll-like with big, sock-heel nose and bulging bottle cap eyes and floppy ears made from tennis shoe tongues. Like, Cass liked the ears especially, ears almost as big as, as big but not as nearly as pointy as Cass's own. Since it was 100% recycled, the sock monster was a super survivalist, and Cass found that if she held tight, she absorbed his survival powers. Sometimes. Other times, he just felt good to hug. Maybe, thought Cass, her bad dreams would end when her new, when her new life, her secret life, was with the Tursus Society began. Oh, she, they asked her to go to the Tursus? Yeah. They said, join our society. Like any serious survivalist, Cass followed a rigorous routine every morning. As soon as she was on her feet, she pulled her backpack from under her bed and double-checked its contents. The backpack was custom-made model that Pietro had sent her. It had special secret capabilities. Oh, Pietro, so what? Yes, that's what you fell asleep to last night. I told you that this morning. Oh, wait. Remember? He sent her the letter from the box. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, is he the other guy's... um... Yes, he's Luciano's twin brother from the circus. They tried to kill him, but he didn't die. Yep. Okay, the backpack was custom-made model that Pietro had sent her a special secret, had special secret capabilities like converting into a tent or a parachute. Even so, Cass kept some of her old survival supplies in the backpack, like chewing gum for its sticking value and grape juice, which she liked to use as ink. She didn't know what her first Tursus Society mission would be. All she knew is that the society, about the society was that it was dedicated to protecting the secret but she would be ready. Next, Cass would examine every corner of her house to see if anyone had entered overnight, whether it was friend or foe. She checked the tiny threads of dental floss she tied to the handle of the desk drawer she knew anybody could ever, anybody ever opened. Two, a dried bee corpse that she discovered one day and left strategically on her windowsill. Three, all windows and mirrors and doors to see whether someone had written a coded message in dust, toothpaste, or shaving cream. And four, a few other places I won't give away in case the wrong person reads this. Only after she was sure that nothing had changed upstairs did she allow herself to go downstairs, where her first stop was usually the kitchen cupboard. Cass had a hunch that she might find the next secret message from the Tursus Society in a particularly old box of alphabet cereal. But this morning when she walked through the kitchen door, Cass let out a very unsurvivalist-like gasp of excitement. The magnets on the refrigerator had been moved. They weren't arranged in a way 
that she left them before. By color rather than letter, she could tell from the doorway. She covered the distance in two leaps and stood breathless in front of the refrigerator, ready to decipher the code message that read the directions to the secret meeting place to, or to take instructions about a new mission, or all three. Then her heart sank. The magnets spelled, love you. Unclipped underneath with a handwritten note, 7 a.m., off to work. There's waffle. There's a waffle, the whole grain kind, and the toaster. Don't forget to have your field trip. Don't forget you have a field trip to the tide poles tomorrow. Do you know where your windbreaker is? I can't find it. M being mom or mother, but also Mel. Oh, and she said, can't find it. M. Hardly a secret code. Cass crumpled the note up in her hand, despondent. Why did her mother have to be such a mom? And when was the Tercis Society going to come? All right. We will continue this today, so we'll get you more chapters today. Let's try and do... This is what I always say. Oh, Let's... the lady's coming today. Yep. Yes, Blanca will be here today. No, but check it out. Ask her not to clean my room because... Well, you know what? All she's going to do is make your bed and um, vacuum. Okay, guys, we're out of here. See you this afternoon for more.